The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com. This is Barron's Live. Each weekday, we bring you live conversations from our newsrooms about what's moving the market right now. On this podcast, we take you inside those conversations, the stories, the ideas, and the stocks to watch so you can invest smarter. Now, let's dial in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Barron's Live Market Watch Edition. I'm Alessandra Molito, a retirement reporter for Market Watch, and today with me is Jody King, Vice President and Director of Wealth Planning at the Fiduciary Trust Company. Welcome, Jody. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So I am very excited to talk about this topic. Required minimum distributions are something that sometimes concern retirees and you know soon-to-be retirees, but I think they're actually very interesting. And there is certainly a lot going on in the world that will affect the way that people approach them. So if you don't mind, I will just dive right in. So uh, the first question I have, RMDs are due at the end of the year, at least for the most part, if you've already been taking them. But retirees are stressing now about inflation and interest rates and the impact that everything is going to have on their withdrawals. What should they keep in mind before they make any decisions? I think, you know, obviously the best time to take money out of the account withdrawals, if you will, is when the account values are high. And, you know, that would have been before the market decline that we've been the volatility we've experienced this year. But likely we didn't do that if we're having that discussion now. I think they need to remember that RMDs are indeed required. So we can't push them off past the end of the year if they are due this year for them. And so if you need them to live, you should take them when you need them. Otherwise, if you can, you know, take them when the market values are higher in the account, that's a good thing. If you already have a lot of cash in the account, that kind of takes away the debate, if you will, because if you don't have to sell any assets in order to raise cash, it makes it a little bit easier when you start to think about that. So it kind of depends on, you know, a bunch of different factors um, when you start to think about when you want to take them. That's a really great point. So um, I know a lot of people debate RMDs, especially this year, um, but what are the pros and cons of withdrawing now versus waiting until towards the end of the year on a, on a regular year, I guess. <laughs> yeah. On a regular year, um, I typically encourage people to wait till later in the year unless they need the cash flow. If they need the cash flow to live, then they need to take the cash from the assets, the RMD in order to live. Right. But if you don't need the cash flow, I usually encourage people to wait until, you know, around December 1st to take that out um, with the presumption that the markets are going to go up during the year. So you're taking out kind of a smaller percentage, although still meeting the required minimum distribution. And you want to do it not too late in December because, you know, I'm sure we'll end up talking about, but the penalties that will happen if you don't take those withdrawals means you don't want to be pushing it clear to the end of the year. So, you know, in this year, if market, if you think markets are going to go up between now and year end, then waiting means you can leave more assets in the IRA to have kind of tax deferred growth. If you're really skeptical of the markets and you think they're going to go down between now and year end, then you're better off taking now. Um, but again, as I started to mention when you, on the first question you asked me, Ali, if you have sufficient cash in your IRA to satisfy the RMD, if you've been holding cash in your IRA, then the timing is really neutral. 
because that cash is not going to really going to go up or down because it, you know the interest you're earning on that cash in a money market is so minimal that that becomes a non-factor if you're sitting on a lot of cash. Yeah, absolutely. And then when you have a roller coaster of a year like this year has felt, um, how how then should a person you know maybe approach their decisions? Yeah. So, you know, I always tell people to you kind of have to step back a little bit. And a lot of us have kind of psychological, you know, emotional reactions to the market and, you know, uh, what's going on. Some people lose sleep over that. So part of it is making sure you're comfortable. Right. It never feels great to be withdrawing assets in a declining market. Um, and so if you have the cash, like I said, take that now because it's a different impact. There's no no gain to waiting to take it. So the timing is kind of neutral in that. Um, but if you don't have an RMD size cash position, you could take it periodically over the year. It's like you, as an investor, you're probably familiar with dollar cost averaging, where you put your like your 401k contribution in periodically over the year with each paycheck. You can kind of dollar cost average out of the markets if you're having to sell assets in order to take out the balance of your RMD. So you can spread that out over the next few months. Would be something to think about. Um, but if you don't need the cash, if you're not going to need to spend the cash to support your lifestyle between now and year end, you could actually take the assets in kind to satisfy the RMD. And by that, you can kind of stay in the market. So that's another consideration. Um, you would still be taxed on the assets when they come out because it's still a required minimum distribution, which is going to be likely fully taxable to you or mostly taxable to you. But you could continue to hold the asset and then you wouldn't be out of the market if you will, if you think that the assets, the markets will increase particularly. Yeah, those are really great points. Um, just to follow up, as far as, you know, when you're taking money out and there's volatility or if, you know, things are going down, I know some people are concerned about um, sequence of return risk. Could you talk a little bit about just, you know, when, when should you be worried, I guess, or if you even should be worried, because if you're doing it steadily and slowly, is there as much of an uh, impact, I guess, on your your assets? I, I think you're you're reducing your risk of, of a significant move either way, particularly a significant move in the downside, right? Um, you know, you do give up the benefit of an upside move when you're sequencing like that, but mm -hmm. you're kind of just balancing the risk factor. So if you're really concerned and kind of want to walk that middle of the road where you're um, kind of trying to neutralize the market impact, that would be one way to do it. Yeah, definitely. And um, actually, I was going to ask you, could you expand a little bit? You mentioned penalties, which I know is a huge deal with RMDs. Could you just briefly mention what some of those are or, you know, how to watch out for them? Yeah, absolutely. So kind of the biggest one that um, everyone needs to be aware of is when you are required to take a distribution. So either during a calendar year or in the year you're turning 72 and a half by April 1st of the year following, I strike that. And the year you turn 72 by April 1st of the year after you turn 72, you have to take your first required minimum distribution. After that, you have to take one each calendar year. Um, and so if you don't take those required minimum distributions in the calendar year, they are required, then you end up paying a 50% penalty on the amount you should have withdrawn in addition to the tax on the amount that you have to withdraw, right? So that 50% penalty is quite punitive. You can request a waiver of that, but it's not a given that you'll get one. Um, and so you really, the only way to really work around that is just make sure you take those required distributions once you reach age 72 and take them timely. Yeah. 
And I will reiterate, it is a penalty on what you are supposed to take. So I think sometimes people get mixed up and think that maybe you just have to take money out. But there's a there's a formula. It's very complicated, and they will tell you what you need to take. So you have to take that amount, or you'll they'll be penalized. <laughs> so absolutely. So I just want to take a moment right now to remind the audience that we are taking questions later. So please submit any questions that you have now, and we will get to them shortly. All right. So I have a few more questions before we do that, though. Uh, what are some other factors that Americans should consider when thinking of taking RMDs, maybe outside of, you know, just the the volatility of the stock market? You know, absolutely. I think, you know, RMDs, for the most part, are going to be fully taxable to the individual when they take them out. So one of the things to think about is how could I manage that tax, right? Um, or could I manage that tax? And so, you know, if someone is over age 70 and a half, so when you're 72, you have to start taking RMDs under current law, right? But when you're over age 70 and a half, you have the ability, if you're charitably inclined in particular, to do something called a qualified charitable distribution, where you can make a distribution of up to $100,000 per year per individual to one or more um, charities, not private foundations, not donor advised funds, but public charities. And that amount, if it's the first dollars that come out of your IRA for the year, can satisfy your RMD. You avoid the income tax on it. Also, you can benefit a charity if that's part of your wealth planning goals, of course. Um, but I want, really want to point out and stress that you have to be 70 and a half on the day the transfer is made, 70 and a half or more. So turning 70 and a half next month doesn't work. You have to be 70 and a half or more when you do that. But that's one way some people manage the tax aspects of their RMD is by contributing a portion of it to charity, being paid directly to charity, not to you and then to charity, but directly to charity. Um, we talked about the penalties already, so I'm not going to talk about that anymore because that's definitely a factor. Um, I think the other fact, another factor is the overall impact on taxable income and how it could impact your Social Security benefits, you know, the taxation of those, as well as your Medicare Part B premiums. If, if the RMDs and the taxation of those are going to push up your um, modified adjusted gross income to a point to kind of put you in a higher level um, for either Social Security taxation or for the IRMA adjustment on your Medicare um, cost of insurance, that's something to think about. And you may want to be thinking about ways to decrease your modified adjusted gross income and manage that. So another factor. And as I mentioned earlier, if you don't need the cash from the RMDs, you can con consider distributing securities um, particularly if we think the market's going to have a gain, if you don't need that cash, that can be a nice way to do that, to, to um, have the asset in your account and then, you know, ultimately get a step up in basis for any growth beyond the data distributed. Yeah, I think um, you touched on a really, I mean, you touched on a bunch of important topics, but um, I think some people do get worried about what this means for their, you know, for tax day. So uh, for those who do have time until they actually have to start taking their RMDs, what do you suggest or what are some ways that they can work around them? So maybe that they don't have too much of a tax burden later later on when they hit 72. Yeah, great question, Sally. Um, so I'm a huge proponent of Roth conversions. If you believe that you're, you're not going to need all of your IRA assets to support your lifestyle, if you take a traditional IRA asset and you convert it to a Roth IRA, you pay the income tax on the day it's converted, that, that uh, tax year. But then it goes from a tax deferred asset to a tax 
free growth asset without required minimum distributions. And so ultimately it could lower the amount you pay in taxes. It could lower like your, your um, IRMA adjustments for Medicare as well, potentially. And it's moving what I would consider to be kind of one of the worst assets to inherit, a, a traditional IRA with all its embedded income taxes to one of the best assets to inherit, which is the Roth IRA asset. So again, huge proponent of that if you have a taxable estate for federal purposes in you know, in addition, that'll reduce kind of by paying income taxes on it. It takes that out of your state. It can actually reduce the state tax liability for a family. Um, if you have a Roth 401k, I would roll that into a Roth IRA. Roth 401ks actually have RMDs. Roth IRAs do not. So another thing you could plan to do is go ahead and get that rolled over before the year you're going to turn 72 to help benefit from that. Um, you could consider taking money out earlier out of your traditional IRA to smooth taxes. So let's say you retire at 65 and your income might be lower those years before you turn 72 and you have to start taking the RMDs. Maybe if you take a little bit out, it'll smooth the taxes over the years and could then, you know, a lower amount in your IRA then reduces the RMD later because that's calculated based on December 31st values each year for the next year. So that's another way you could do that is potentially smooth taxes by doing that. I already mentioned the qualified charitable distributions. You can start doing those at age 70, as I said, where RMDs really don't start until age 72. So that is one other thing. And the other thing, if you are still working and not a 5% owner of your employer, um, you can actually avoid taking RMDs on the assets in your employer's 401k as long as you keep working there. You could pretend some um, 401ks will allow you to roll assets into them as well. So you could look into that, but uh, just be aware of that. If you're not a 5% owner, less than 5% owner of the company, um, that can be a benefit too if you continue to work beyond age 72. Those are really wonderful and helpful strategies. Thank you. Um, as far as the Roth conversion goes, I just have a quick follow-up question. I, I know that there could be rules around years and when you can distribute. Does that apply with, with RMDs? I, as in, like, I know that they, Roth, um, Roth IRAs don't have RMDs, but is there anything people should be aware of as far as timeline goes with that? Absolutely. Very good question. If you are subject to an RMD in your traditional IRA, you cannot roll over the RMD amount. You cannot convert that amount to a Roth IRA. So what you have to do first, if you're subject to RMDs, is take your RMD, which will be a taxable income to you, unless you do it through a QCD, right? Um, but you have to take the RMD out and then you can convert after that. So you definitely need to pay attention to that. You cannot convert an RMD at any point in time. Thank you. And sorry, my light went off. I, I was standing too still, apparently, for my room. So, <laughs> um, so we are going into 2023 with continued uncertainty, which I think has just been the, the motto for the last few years. Um, but this time it's about inflation, interest rates, the market, so on and so forth. Um, I know you mentioned that waiting is a strategy, but is there anything else people should do uh, as far as planning goes for their RMDs? you know, as we enter and usher into a new year? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So I would suggest raise cash for your RMD when the market's high. So if you see a kind of a market peaking or you see the market doing well, raise cash regardless of your timing of when you're going to take that. So make sure you've got enough to satisfy your RMD for the year. That way you're not ever being forced to sell in a down market 
or you know, in a less than ideal market, if you will. Um, other than that, stay invested. You never know when the markets are going to do well. And if you look at the volatility in the markets, you know, there can be a bad day and the next day can be a fabulous day. So stay invested. Make sure your asset allocation fits with your overall wealth plan and stay true to that. Um, and, you know, your asset allocation should take into account your age, your assets, your cash flow needs, that investment plan. Um, and then the other thing is you can consider use, utilizing a part of your RMD as withholdings in lieu of making estimated tax payments. You're, you could increase your withholdings from your RMD and that way you don't have to pay it in because it's already being paid in by the IRA custodian on your behalf. And so that's another way you can think about that um, if you're worried about a tax payment and managing that tax payment side. Gotcha. This is great. So we actually have a lot of questions. Like I said, RMDs are very exciting and uh, they generate a lot of interest. So I'm just going to jump into the audience questions if you don't mind. Uh, so Absolutely. let's see, we, we have one question from Marty who asked, is it wise to take RMDs and put it back into a Roth IRA as part of my yearly contribution? So the presumption there is you're taking your RMD, you're still employed, so you have employment income, which makes you eligible to contribute to a Roth IRA, which you could contribute any assets to your Roth IRA. So you're not getting a tax benefit per se by take, using the RMD assets to contribute to the Roth, because uh, you can't technically do that, right? But you, you can't convert an RMD asset to a Roth. But if you take the cash from your RMD, and if you separately decide to make a Roth contribution, so um, and you're eligible to do that, that's not a bad thing to do. But it, part of it depends on your overall financial situation and and whether you need that cash flow, um, what your long-term tax picture looks like, and what you're projecting it to be. So um, just be aware that you're not receiving an immediate tax benefit by doing that. That's a great point. And Bridget asked. Uh, what is the best strategy for the SECURE Act 10-year required minimum distributions in this market? And actually, maybe for some people who aren't aware, could you just briefly and broadly talk a little bit about, um, you know, what some of the changes are, or, you know, what some of the rules are now? Yeah, and, and they're highly technical, but I'd be happy to kind of address them in a very global way. So most yeah. people are aware in 2019, the SECURE Act was enacted. And basically what it did is it eliminated the ability for most inheritors, most beneficiaries to extend out the IRA for their lifetime, extend out the withdrawing from the IRA over their lifetime. And it put in place for most um, beneficiaries kind of a 10-year window where I'm going to call it a cliff, where by the 10th year, December 31st of the 10th year following the decedent's death, all of the assets have to be out of the IRA Roth IRA assets. So they have to be kind of moved back into the traditional tax system, if you will. And so um, with the new regs that were came out in February, the proposed regs, which remember, uh, proposed regs are different than proposed law, right? Proposed law means Congress is talking about it, who knows what's going to happen. Proposed regs really tell us what the IRS is thinking right now. And so how they're viewing the law and how they're viewing the interpretation law. So it tells us what they're expecting you to do. If you don't do what the proposed regs do, 
the IRS will argue with you about that, right? So it's because it's their view, it's how they're planning to enforce the rules. The proposed regs that came out in February of this year, February 2020, basically said, you know, if someone is already age 72 when they die, so if we're already going to be making distributions, required minimum distributions to them, so it's past their required beginning date, which is April 1st of the year after they turn 72 when they pass, then their beneficiaries need to not only take them out, everything out by the end of that 10th year following the year of death, but they also most likely need to take out distributions during those first 10 years, minimum required distributions, which can be calculated based on different things depending on their exact circumstances. So if you are, if you're in the group where your, your decedent was subject to required minimum distributions, had died after their required beginning date, on or after their required beginning date of April 1st of the year after they turned 72, then you need to take out those distributions during the during those interim 10 years. If it was before the um, before their if they died before their required beginning date, then you may not be subject to that kind of taking the uh, amounts out during that 10-year interim. You'd still be subject to the cliff in most cases. So if you do have to take those out, then you know the same considerations along the way we've been talking about with regard to you know, using cash and the timing of taking them out, all of that will apply um, during the discussion. And because they're RMDs, you know, we're not rolling them over. We're, you're taking those into your income and your other assets and spending them. That was so beautifully explained. I, uh, I mean, it's such a complicated thing and you made it like you really boiled it down. So thank you so much. Um, <laughs> so Joanne asked, I think I understand how RMDs are taxed, but can dividends be part of your RMD? Once you're 72, can you still buy and sell positions in your portfolio aside from the required RMD withdrawal requirements? Thank you. So that's a good question. So yeah, absolutely. You're going to, your IRA, you're going to manage like any other assets. You can buy in, inside the IRA, you can buy and you can sell. And there's actually no income tax consequences to that. So you can manage it freely, if you will, without worrying about whether you kind of have a capital gain on that asset, right? Because you're not going to pay the income taxes on it as you trade inside of the account. You pay the income taxes when assets come out of the account. So you take the required minimum distributions or any distribution from the IRA, you're going to be paying the income taxes on it. So absolutely, you can manage that. And it should you should manage that along the way, because otherwise you've got a lot of years, hopefully, um, you wouldn't be managing that asset. And that would not be ideal or, or recommended in these markets. Yeah. And let's see, Drew asked, when you have multiple retirement accounts, especially for a couple, do you recommend a strategy for which accounts to tap first or does it even that or you know, does it matter? Um, so that's also a good question. So the key is you have to remember, even if you're a couple, you are individuals for IRA RMD calculation purposes in the eyes of the IRS. So you can't satisfy you know, one spouse's RMD by from another spouse's IRA asset. So each have to stand on your own there, right? And you can each do your own qualified charitable distribution, by the way. Um, and so that's something to know. For most accounts, not all, but most traditional IRA accounts, you can calculate your RMD on everything, and then you can take it from whichever account you choose to source it from. There are some, you know, um, exceptions to that, but that's kind of the general rule. And so 
when you start to think about where you're going to take it from, um, you know, again, if you have cash, I would lean towards that in these markets. If you don't have to raise cash or if you're going to take the assets um, in kind, you can do that as well. But just keep in mind, each spouse needs to satisfy their own RMD from their own IRA assets. Definitely. And Mashallah asked, can QCDs be done at any age after someone's withdrawing and is older than 72 years old? So QCDs can be done at any age once you are age 70 and a half. So yes, okay. if you are beyond age 72, you can absolutely do that. You're limited to $100,000 per year per individual. So if you have 10 IRAs and they all have um, RMDs from that, you're still limited to 100,000 in total for the calendar year under current law. And that's per individual. Like I said, sp each spouse could do their own. Um, but yeah, absolutely. You can do that anytime after that. And it's an annual choice. Great. And I think that's important uh, note to just mention 70 and a half is the age for QCDs, which I might might be confusing to some people because wasn't that the age for RMDs a few years ago? That so pre-secure, that was the age for RMDs, yeah. yes. Absolutely. So they just kept they kept that age the same, but RMDs are 72 now. Okay, but that is very good. And there's been proposed legislation that RMDs go to 75, but again, that's proposed legislation in Congress. Don't know if that'll pass. Yeah, definitely. I'm very excited to see what they do uh, <laughs> with all of that. So... Morris asked how to prioritize the investment types to take RMDs, fixed income versus equity, those with gains versus least loss, year, uh, yield to date, year to date, sorry, year to date. So um, when you sell an asset inside an IRA, there's no income tax consequences to that, right? No gains or losses create taxable income to you. So you can ignore gains and losses when it comes time to that. So it really becomes an investment-driven thesis. And your view on what the markets are, your the performance of those, the cost ratios, you know, the expense ratios for the assets, all that could be thought about. But again, step back to your overall asset allocation. And when you think about what the markets have done, you know, maybe you know, if one piece of your portfolio has done better than the other, something is a little overweight. So you can actually use the raising cash for your RMDs as a way to kind of rebalance your portfolio, if you will. So, you know, look at your overall picture. Um, make sure you're looking at the long term, because keep in mind, you know, I, I, we always assume that people are going to live for a long time. So we want to we want to make sure we have that long term asset allocation in place and just raise money for the RMDs if you're going to raise cash in light of your rural allocation. Yeah. And James asked, I'm a retired federal employee. I turned 72 this June. When should I withdraw from my thrift savings plan? Will they not distribute it automatically? Um, so I can't say that I have know all the deal, details on that particular plan and exactly how they would elect to do that for you. Um, my advice is to, to circle back. It's all those, I know that the plans are very detailed and I know that the rules are gonna be there. Um, part of, if you're making any elections for earlier withdrawals than you technically have to, then you know make sure that that's what fits best with your overall uh, cash flow needs and your wealth planning needs. And just make sure you're not electing later than you're supposed to because you don't wanna give up benefits. You don't wanna lose any benefits along the way. Yeah, and I think it's actually, um... I mean, it, it doesn't hurt to ask your, you know, the company that's housing your investment accounts, the rules or just to reiterate things because 
I know it gets it could get very technical and, and all that, right? So absolutely every plan is so different that it's really important to make sure you understand because you might have plans from different employers or different even different government entities and the rules would be different. So it's always best to go back and ask the question, make sure you understand in detail and make sure you maximize what is best for you in your individual situation. Yes. A few people asked about donor advised funds. Kevin, for example, asked, can all assets and or RMDs in a traditional IRA be given to a donor advised uh, charitable fund without penalty? So if you're going to utilize a qualified charitable distribution, you cannot make a qualified charitable distribution, QCD, to a donor advised fund. It's not allowed. It needs to go to a public charity. So um, if you're trying to kind of avoid the income tax on your RMD by utilizing the QCD, that is not, that's not an option to pass that to a donor advised fund. But if you take the RMD because you have to, if you pay income taxes on it, because if it's not a QCD, you will need to, um, and then you choose to take that cash and donate it to a donor advised fund, that's clearly allowed. But you can't use a QCD with a donor advised fund. Gotcha. That's a very interesting distinction. So I think we only have time for one more question, and this is a very good one. So Neil asked, if we are retired, but not yet required to take RMDs, in the long run, what's the better way to accomplish the Roth conversion? Convert all at once, or should we be trying to convert it all at once and pay the taxes in one lump sum? Or I'm sorry, or does it make sense to steadily put assets into the Roth over the retirement time from now until RMDs are due? So that is an excellent question. And the, the truthful answer is it depends. And so um, not to avoid the question at all, but it really does depend on your individual circumstances. So what's your appetite to pay taxes? Um, can you pay the taxes from non-IRA assets? Because that's really where you want to get the tax money from, ideally, if you get it from non-IRA assets. If you um, are able to kind of do a little run up in the tax rates, if you will. So if you're in a low income year and you can kind of run up your tax rates, the tax brackets, and might convert a lot this year, maybe that doesn't still put you at the top tax rate, then that, there's an advantage to do that. If you're low income for the next number of years and you can kind of you know, convert it at a more modest tax rate by doing piecemeal each year, then absolutely do that. I always like to do Roth conversions when asset values are low. So the volatile market creates some opportunities there. And so, um, you know, but it, it all boils down to that willingness to pay the taxes. And again, I'm a huge fan of Roth conversions and really you know, think that they should, more people should be thinking about them than probably are, but none of us want to pay taxes kind of before we need to. But there's a lot of benefits to doing that. So spreading them out can have some good reasons to do that if you can kind of run up the tax brackets over the years. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I, to be honest, it really does depend. Um, there are so many factors to consider for your personal financial circumstances when you're making these sorts of decisions. Um, so thank you for that. Unfortunately, that is all the time that we have for today, although this has been so wonderful. Thank you so much, Jody, and thank you to our audience for tuning in. Um, we hope you listen to our next episode tomorrow. Barron's Deputy Editor Alex Yule and Associate Editor for Technology Eric Savitz discuss the outlook for tech companies and individual stocks. In addition, please join Market Watch for the Best New Ideas in Money Festival on September 21st and 22nd in New York City. 
Please see the slide and chat box for details. Thank you again for listening. Stay safe and have a great day. The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com.